Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Gaming Historia. Guess what? Colby bitched out again this week. So, we have a special guest, which we all know is Rio. I'll have him introduce himself in a minute. He's going to sound smarter than me because he has a British accent for the American listeners out there. Um, so this will be, you, you won't have any trouble telling which one is which in this recording. Um, but Rio stepped up. It's only like 4 a.m. over in England. So, or wherever he lives somewhere that's not America. Yeah. yeah over so in the old world. Yeah. I don't know where it is cause it's not in America and you know, geography. Um, but Rio, go ahead and introduce yourself. He is now oh, part hey. of the gaming historia team. So hooray. Yeah. So I'm Kayla May, also known as Rio Bucks. Um, a lot of people just call me Rio because it's a lot easier that way. Um, and yeah, I'm the latest keyboard monkey for Gaming Historia. Like I bash the keys and I make the words and I make articles. And re basically, I'm just jumping on board now, just as I finished uh, covering each expressed. So I'm going to be writing about that in the coming days. Right, and so that's going to be part of what we talk about first. I'm going to say this is going to be a very raw podcast. We're recording it very close to the time it's supposed to go up. I'm not going to do a lot of editing, which is kind of what we're trying to get anyways. Because I think in the first or second episode of Gaming Historia, we talked about it. that We weren't going to do much editing. This one's going to be raw. Like, you may get VD off of this one because I'm not doing anything on this. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Same it's, time, it's, you know. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's... <laughs> We're going to talk about Rezzed. We're going to talk about a few other things. Um, there's arguments that Rio and I have had uh, recently. Or discussions. Argument isn't a fair term. Discussions that may pop up. We don't know. <laughs> if not, they may pop up in the future. But expect to hear Rio more um, in the future on other podcasts as well, which is what started our discussion in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. And before we start, I'm going to mention it, like I said last week, every single week. Hit us up on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash gaminghistoria. We want your money, but we want your money because we want to be able to keep on doing what we're doing. And we're all doing this for free. So, um, yeah, yeah. How am I meant to get my second home up and going, right. you know? There's an island I've had my eye on, and unless you guys start giving us money, I'm not going to get that island. So, yeah, um, as long as this island isn't the United Kingdom, you know, go nuts. Yeah, I, I'm going to take what what the what the boys started, what the founding fathers started, and take it back. Like I think that they kind of stopped short. I think they should have kept on going, and they just said, and, "This is great because I'm like a big revolutionary historian at this point. I've spent the last like five or six years just studying revolutionary history nonsense." stop so it's great yeah. that you have and i'm not all american but um you know i'm american. You're not all american like what parts of you are not american uh well i'm actually i'm actually french and i was born in germany but uh, okay. <laughs> i grew up in america <laughs> so i have a whole bunch of jacked up history in in my family's lineage but i'm <laughs> but by I mean, all american america. Like, I'm not the guy who goes out there and starts waving the flag in people's faces and say, the Constitution's 100% correct, you can't change it, things like that. Um, I'm not, I mean, I mean what I'm, they I'm a call CCR the... American. You know, I'm, I'm not, if you listen to Fortunate Son, that's me. Um, uh, so, I'm proud to be an American, okay. but I'm not yeah. your boot stomping, <laughs> get them all George Bush American. I'm, I'm more of a... Hey, I'm happy to be here. I know that we have a good place. We should have taken England. We were winning. 
why didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, this yeah. Would be a fun invading land, yeah, invading islands are really easy, and it's totally, you know, <laughs> totally manageable. Yeah, I mean, oh Christ, what's it? There's a sorry, a bit off random, but I believe there's a fuck. There's a endless legend difficulty that specifically on normal difficulty says if uh, George Washington was playing to this level, um, no, if the United Kingdom was playing at this level, the Revolutionary War would have failed. Like <laughs> it's like such the biggest stab. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which this like, is also a good little, a little. A little trickle of what's coming in search of the story this week because we're going to be covering the council, which uses a lot of historical figures, and I'm going to have some things to say about the portrayal of George Washington and the council because George Washington is kind of Jesus in America, and uh, so is Jesus. But mm. I think I think if you ask people who they liked more, it would be they would have to think for a second because. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't have that in the UK. I mean, the yeah, closest who's the, to... Who's the big guy there? Oh, we don't have one. Like, really? Um, I mean, especially if we're talking about politicians, the closest I can think of that is common is Margaret Thatcher's a very known figure in UK. Is she, but she's but not really she is, beloved, is she? It's a weird thing because basically what happened was is before Margaret Thatcher, the UK was a very socialist like country, you know, post World War Two, there were a lot of people who were leaving the war just completely without homes and everything was fucked. So they put in a like the National Health Service and things like that. And then Margaret Thatcher um, changed all that and basically imported ideas from America, um, like the Reaganomics ideology and free markets and things like that to the uk so and she really radically changed the direction things were going for the uk so i mean she's beloved in the sense of yeah 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 she's beloved in the sense of there are people who really revere her and every conservative uses her ideals as a sort of uh like player's handbook of how to be a conservative. So she's but, Reagan. Because <laughs> mm, well, that's what Reagan is. the conservatives here. Yeah, yeah. The other kink to that, the other side of it, is she did a lot of really controversial things, least to say, like Section 28, uh, the miner strikes, like closing all the mines, which rendered a lot of northern cities kind of like desolate and just oh, in a horrible state. She, you know, she, the whole war with um, the Falklands War, that's controversial as well. And it hit a point where when she died, people were genuinely celebrating like actual parties were being done up and down the country and ding dong the witch is dead got into the music charts at number two because of that yeah there are a lot of people who despise her well you say that but she did a lot of terrible things i mean i i get not liking a politician but outside of somebody like hitler there's not a whole yeah. lot of politicians that I get excited about their imminent demise. Like, oh, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Thanks for finishing that sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, like, gr- I grew up in the Reagan era, so I knew a little bit of Thatcher. Um, mm. But, and I, and I thought Reagan was awesome because I was a kid and I didn't know politics that well and he was very charming. Looking mm. back at some of the stuff he did, I don't agree with a lot of what he did, but I don't disagree with him to the point to where I... I'm like, oh, thank God he died the way he did. No, he was he was a good guy that did what he thought was right. And Yeah, yeah. I, I'd say if you want the closest U.S. equivalent in terms of notoriousness, I would say Nixon is a lovely comparison because oh, Jesus. a lot of Americans seem to despise Nixon. And Nixon, Nixon is one of our fun ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Thatcher is despised by a lot of people. And yes, she wasn't full-out Hitler, but... Anything north of like London, uh, like once you hit Yorkshire and north, there are a lot of cities that just careen down into the dirt in terms of just jobs and things like that because of closing the mines. Um, it wasn't eased out, it wasn't gradual, it was very quick. And it just led to no like unemployment, just incredibly huge and when she tried to do the poll tax where she was taxing people um if i've got this right i might be wrong when she was taxing people for voting at the election she also like there were actual literal protests up and down the city again you know um it was really severe and that's one of the very few things that thatcher proposed and then it rolled back um most everything else minor strike section 28 went through and i mean section 28 which is the policy that the teachers are not allowed to teach about homosexuality in schools that only got overturned during the early 2000s by the labor government and you really have to think about it that labor got into power in 98 97 it took them about four or five years to finally decide, actually, maybe we'll overturn that homophobic as hell piece of legislation. <laughs> so, so the Labour Party is more the Liberal Party there. It's, it's more not that easy. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know it gets it's like... It's not that easy. I, I know enough about it to know that that's probably not a fair question. But, but Yeah, it's a bit of an awkward thing because Labour's had basically two versions of them in like the past 30 years you have the socialist side where they're just like yeah we should stand up for workers rights and things like that and then you have what's called new labor which was tony blair gordon brown where it's basically conservative light where they do share a lot of conservative ideals about the free market and things like that but they um are a lot less severe in that regard and was slowly rolling back into socialism again with Jeremy Corbyn. So that's exciting, you know, something to look forward to. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, so um, welcome to this gaming podcast. <laughs> yep. We jumped straight into political turmoil. <laughs> yeah, well, we're going to start off with a history lesson about... Uh, <laughs> the uk politics uk UK politics (laughs) and the founding of america um yeah yeah yeah. 
<laughs> so there's a there's a great line in, in Hamilton, which I listen to frequently, where they're like, "Can we get back to politics, please?" And so we're kind of at that. Let's get back to <laughs> gaming, please. So, but I am honestly so, really excited to hear about the council because it is a game that I've really had my eye on really closely, and I admit one of the parts about it that turns me off is the fact that it is using historical figures. I mean, it is a murder mystery from what I can tell. And to me, I didn't need it being historical figures. And in fact, I would have preferred it if it wasn't because I don't think it adds anything. Yeah, it doesn't add like the idea to me. I haven't played it. The idea to me doesn't add much. All it manages to do is it creates a lot of awkward questions about representation of historical figures and things like that. Well, and, and full disclosure, and I'll disclose this on Insurgent Story on Wednesday also, my PlayStation died, so I do not get to finish that right now until I get a new PlayStation here shortly. Um, so I'm, I'm watching a playthrough to catch up the last little bits. And of course, their choices are going to be a little different than I, than I did, which is kind of cool because yeah. now I'm getting to see some other aspects. But as soon as I started it, what pissed me off more than anything else is a few of the main characters walk up and you meet George Washington. Like, here we go. Let's see how they do it. And Mm. apparently everybody in the game is exactly six foot four because George Washington is six foot four and everybody's exactly the same height as him. And also furniture in this castle is very, very high up because, because they all look like they're like five foot six. If you look at them compared to furniture. So, I mean, that's weird because Napoleon is short for modern age but he, but he was regular from for my hair yeah 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 it, he was either regular or even slightly above average for his age yeah which is still five was, foot and i haven't something. got to napoleon and washington talking yet but if they're the same height i'm going to start uh council gate or something on twitter um okay <laughs> <fucking laughs> i mean it's just it's it's so silly to me that yeah he was five seven so if you're gonna take you know at that time five seven is fine I mean mm. you know that that's that's the average for his time period and but if you put Napoleon Bonaparte next to George Washington and they're the same height then really yeah. you're putting a George Washington skin on John Adams and those are very different characters. George Washington was a very big personality. John mm. Adams was a mousy little man. So, <laughs> you know, and, and there's some good stuff about John. I'm, I'm not bashing John Adams, but he was a quieter type of guy. But whenever Washington walked into a room, it, if you ever watched Bleach, it's like his spiritual power, like filled the room and made the walls bend. You know, he was that type of dude that just walked into a room and everybody felt him walk in. And... So I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. by Wednesday you'll you'll get my full mm. feedback on it. But right now my biggest yeah. hang up is height. And yeah, I mean right now I'm looking at the cast because to me I was curious what English it's um, a weird cast historical figures they're using, and I don't recognize them. I, it might yeah, be reflective and, and, that I do have a very weird sense of history where there are some parts of history where i have a keen interest like world war one i really like 
Yeah, oddly exactly. enough, I don't really give a damn so much about World War Two. I found World War One a lot more interesting and more tragic. And oh, it's brutal. I'm look. Yeah, it's tragic in so many ways. Like in the actual war itself, why the war happened is tragic as hell. Like it is like a stage performance. Um, you know, and extra credits did an amazing series about it that it is just like a lot of people meaning well slowly going off the rails it isn't world war ii where you it's almost like good versus evil world war one is they didn't want this war it's in some ways it's like brexit the people who are pushing it most for brexit um what's their names again (laughs) Brexiters. Michael Gov, Michael Gov, and um, oh my god, this is gonna annoy me. Um, the current, um, ah, god damn it, he used to be the London mayor. Um, is he that weird blonde guy? Yeah, yeah, Boris Johnson. Yes, yep. Boris Johnson. So <laughs> yeah. Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, Michael Gove. When you see them after the results were revealed that Brexit was to pass, you could tell they did not want this. And everything right. about their demeanor and how they're acting after Brexit, you can tell they did not want this. And it was more of a power play and more about trying to rise up through the ranks by coming off as a Eurosceptic. But when it came to pass, it's not what they actually wanted. I will, I will tell you, if, if you want to hear what I think is the definitive, basically, lecture on World War One, Blueprint for Armageddon, um, it's Dan Carlin's Hardcore History. I think mm. it's six episodes, and each one's like three hours long about World War One. Oh, wow. And yeah. it's this incredible, in-depth explanation of everything. I actually did um, for... I'm going to use I'm going to use uh, my my little knowledge of of European terminology for university. Mm-hmm. I had to do a presentation on World War One, World War Two, or or the Cold War, and I actually studied World War One already. And then I listened to his thing, and I decided World War One is what I was going to go with. And he added so much stuff. My all my my professor was like, "Where'd you get this information?" And I tied it into World War Two, then the Cold War, and then on. And she was like, you're, you're supposed to just do one war. And I was like, yeah, but this is <laughs> World War One and World War Two or one war. They are so linked. With a ceasefire. Yeah. And that's it. And they're like, okay, yeah. She was like, that's fine. I get it. So I mean, without the Treaty of Versailles, I believe it's called, yeah, Versailles. you would not have World War Two at all. You know? Right. Yeah. Without Versailles, without- Hitler doesn't come to power. Um, yeah. But... You know, it, it was a whole bunch of people going, oh, you guys did bad. We won. So uh, you're going to be punished into the ground. And yeah, it in World was War totally I, that. Yeah. World War One, Germany was not the bad guy. It, either Nobody was the bad guy. It was a series of a, just messy events that led to this crazy war. And 
Yeah. It's a perfect example. Listen, listen to Blueprint for Armageddon at some point. Whenever you have like a week where you want to listen to like an hour a day and <laughs> you want to have like, you know, two, two and a half weeks of this mm. masterclass on World War One, as you start to listen to it, you start to realize that that war... It wasn't a war that anyone wanted, you know. Um, uh, well, I mean, Germany uh, had their hand forced by basically uh, trying to remember which side they took between Serbia and... Um, Oh, what's the other one? It was the oh, Christ. I am pulling a blank. The is it Austria-Hungary? Yeah, and I'm trying to. Yeah, here's the problem: is is nobody wanted in that war except for the people who made the war happen, which were the people who were in power, and a lot of them were related. Well, even them, even them, the people in power did not want the war. There were a few. They really, there, there were some that did, and actually, there's there's a really good case that America wanted into the war and the problem at the I time, could see that <laughs> the problem and it's funny because if you go back it's really hard to tell whether or not um, was it Wilson oh god I'm, now I'm going blank on people um, <sighs> who was the president during World War One? I, I want to say Wilson, but I, for some reason that seems wrong. Yeah, Wilson. I, I'm doubting myself. So Wilson comes across as like this, and I promise we're gonna get to gaming in a minute. <laughs> Wilson comes across as this like. Uh, I wonder if this is getting cut. No, this is staying in. I'm telling you, dude, raw dogging it. Um, this is this is the quote unquote VD you get as a history lesson. Um, you learn a little bit about history, and it sticks with you, and you'll be able to impress your friends at the bar later. Um, yeah, yeah. So Wilson, there. A lot of people think that he was this really kind of religious, pious type of guy. But if you kind of look at his actions deeper, it's almost like a. Uh, I'm trying to think of a really good, clean example. If you play Risk much, if you if you played Risk in the past, and you kind of withdraw and let your opponent overextend, so that then you can just crush them all in one turn. He was doing that kind of thing, just kind of going, okay. oh, no, I, I, I don't want to do this. I, you know, I'm just going to retreat and get back into my own little hole, and I don't want to be a part of this. And then, ah, just kidding, sucker. And that's kind of, as you look at stuff, Wilson very much looked like he was pushing public opinion into the idea of getting into World War One, But he so, didn't want to be the asshole that goes, yeah, we're going to go into World War One because that's what I yeah. want to do. Instead, he got yeah, the public yeah. to go, we got to get in there. He was sending ships across to, to England with mm -hmm. citizens on it, knowing they would get yeah. sunk to get America pissed off enough to go, let's get into it. I mean, There's the weird thing is, is when you start hearing about all the people who are sympathetic about Hitler, like in the UK, I believe we, ah, there was a weird, there's at least, uh, one person in the royal family who was very sympathetic towards Hitler, and it's one of those hindsight issues. No, 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 no. This no, is no. World War Two. No, you, this is in the lead up to World War Two. Oh, okay. I got when you. he wasn't completely despised. Back before well, and, then, and that's the craziest thing. I get it in discussions sometimes. It's the power with, of hindsight, you know. Yeah, and that's what it comes down to. And and I'll have discussions with with friends sometimes of who were the greatest speakers of all time, and most people go to like JFK or Martin Luther King Jr. or uh, you know yeah. they'll go back to some 
even farther historical figure. And I'm like, it's probably Hitler. If if you want to know, Hitler's probably the greatest speaker of all time because look mm. at what he got an entire country to get behind. And I don't know. I don't know. Because for me, if Hitler, you listen to his speeches, he they're incredibly well done. And he speaks with this incredible passion. In hindsight, yeah. looking back at it, you know what's going on. But there's images that the yeah. Germans actually didn't know what was going on. Yeah, to the, I'm not to the saying darkest levels of it. So I mean, putting aside you know, the actual what it's concerning, I don't know if Hitler's speeches were that grand because he was less convincing people of the Jewish threat and more exploiting what is an already volatile situation and steering it very easily to something. Because in times of great economic despair, you do see people slowly become very insular and um, prejudice towards outsiders. You really do see that. It happened in the UK. So I think you can probably chart it really easily where when the economic crash happened in the UK, soon after you had a lot of Euroscepticism coming about, specifically around the immigration thing, which is why you saw you uh, BMP have a punt. Um, at becoming no, well known but the problem is is Nick Griffin really does look like Hitler and when you spot some of the things he was saying he does come off as incredibly fascist which makes the fact that they got into legal problems for stealing um, if you tolerate this your children will be next by Manic Street Preachers and using on their website without permission what with such wonderful lyrics such as if I can shoot rabbits then I can shoot fascists yeah. And and then soon after the BMP, you had UKIP come into power uh, due to Nigel Farage pushing this idea of Europe over-controlling us and um, the immigration. And it really leads back to a lot of things the Daily Mail pushes as well. But the problem is, is Nigel Farage was mostly doing it so he could get into power but the problem is that never really came to be because for various factors, such as the fact that uh, David Cameron tried to call the bluff of people being Eurosceptic, and he realized that that was a bad call. You know, he thought that when he did the referendum asking if people wanted to leave the EU and they voted yes, they didn't expect us to vote yes and it's very close like percentage wise it's pretty close if you look at raw statistics and yes it's i think it's a million or half a million towards yes over no but percentage wise it's it's close um and he left office just as soon as it was confirmed we would be leaving the eu he left office so (laughs) But um, where was I going with that? Well, oh, we're, yeah, yeah. we're so, talking about Hitler, and, and really, he yeah, didn't yeah. push the but Jewish. He thing was exploiting, that much. but it, yeah, his it was, was more about his ideas about getting Germany back to where it should be. And hmm. it, there's there's but, pictures that if that that they've shown of uh, German POWs seeing pictures of the concentration camps. And they mm. lose it. They just start bawling because they didn't know that's what they were doing. But yeah, my big thing is if, if you just look at an isolated speech from Hitler 
try mm-hmm. to distance yourself from who he is and what he did. And I, that is extremely, extremely difficult. But mm. if somebody was to give you just a speech or have you just listened to a speech from a guy at mm. random and not tell you who it was, you'd be like, wow, man, this guy's really passionate. He's really, really selling it. And we're like, yeah, that's Hitler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, that I mean, sucked. That guy's terrible. <laughs> and I mean, that's it's the thing. similar to how... Um, kind of relevant back to video games slowly dragging it back one time um <laughs> 30 minutes I was in playing, and we're almost there <laughs> yeah 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 um so i used to play pen and paper rpg well i still do but i was playing dnd yeah, i believe back in those days yeah i was i was playing a tabletop rpg well sorry pen and paper rpg tabletop's different um and I was using the laptop to show the player's map on the TV while the DM had its own screen. So basically, um, there's software where you can have the DM see extra information that the player can't on the map. So oh, okay. it's really good. Um, like map tools, Roll20. We were using map tools. Anyway, so because of that, I asked if I could use music to like create an ambient feel and... The DM quickly said yes, so I would pick a couple of songs that I thought was appropriate. And one of the songs I threw on, and people really enjoyed it, you know, and it was like a 10-minute song, and they were really up for it. And then about halfway through, I nudged the person next to me, and I show them what I'm playing, and he cracks up laughing, and... And then the other person next to him sees it and cracks up laughing. And the DM stops for a brief moment and says, what are you laughing about? And I'm just saying, well, I'm just showing them what I'm playing. And I finally revealed to everyone that I've been playing um, Justin Bieber, slowed down to 800%. Uh, and just a lot of people just... <laughs> I think there was one person who was genuinely angry about the fact that I was playing Justin Bieber during an RPG <laughs> session, but everyone else kind of agreed that it's weirdly amazingly atmospheric. Like, if Justin Bieber's pop career fails, then he might genuinely have a career in ambient music, and in fact, inspired the music. Um, if you've ever seen Dread, like the remake of uh, Judge Dread. Um, uh, he did that when they take bl- no 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 oh. when they take bliss and everything slows down. That music is inspired by the Justin Bieber slow down music, like like the idea that if you slow down pop music to eight hundred percent, it does sound really atmospheric. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's worth checking out. Like, it is re- genuinely an amazing song. Like, if you ignore the fact that it is Justin Bieber, you know, you you don't have that knee-jerk reaction of, ah, fuck this kid. Um, which a lot of people seem to do. It's <laughs> I like weird. how it jumped from Hitler to Bieber. As a, as a <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you can take and Hitler out of it, you can take Bieber out of it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And then there's me saying earlier that I think Colby looks like Justin Bieber, so... Yeah. <laughs> he's going to enjoy that whenever he hears that. Um, oh. I, I'm going to say you look like Beyonce 
Colby, because I know that's what you want to hear. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, to be fair, I look like James May. Well, right now I look like a blobby <laughs> James May, but James May. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I've only seen you in one video, so I can't say exactly who you look like yet. Ooh, but woke up. You're, probably one of the interview videos. Yeah, it was one of the interviews at a uh, previous place. So, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Let's get into let's get into games now. We gave a thirty minute history of us, and we touched on Bieber. So, so we kept Colby's soul alive in this one. Beyonce's been it's mentioned. The thirty minute mark. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get this out of the way because I, I would be slapped in the face if I didn't mention football and FIFA. Speaking to somebody who lives in England, and I know yes. you don't watch it, but I have to mention it in every episode, and I missed one. So. There we go. Okay. I would trade places with you in a heartbeat just so I could be closer to actual football. Um, well, what a pity that I don't ever want to... I really don't want to live in America. Like, looking... <laughs> watching America is like... It's it's funny TV. Yeah. Up to but, the hey, moment you realize it's actually happening. We had a president drop the <laughs> mic on people, though, which was pretty awesome. One one of Obama's last things he actually gave a speech and then dropped the mic at the end. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he did the didn't he do something with uh, Peel? Um, where because Key and Peel used to do these sketches of uh, the president's yeah, angry interpreters, yep. and he worked with Obama with that. Like Obama's was really good at just being aware of pop culture and things like that. And then you have Donald Trump and it is like just wow. <laughs> but I mean hey, he it, he likes Mexican it, food, so Yeah, know. yeah, at least that. I mean it really <laughs> underlines what is the actual I mean, I don't know if it's a political or sociological term but the special relationship <laughs> between America and England. Like, that's yeah. the actual term, special relationship. And I think you watch moments like now, and you really, it's really special, you know? Yeah. Oh, everything's <laughs> been real special recently. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, it's been a, a, you know, we had eight years of agree or disagree for all the American listeners, agree or disagree with Obama. He's a cool fucking guy. He's a guy you would sit down and have a drink with. Yeah, yeah. He's very reasonable. Yeah. You know, he's up for chat. And I think I don't know I don't think that's saying exclusive to liberalism. You know, I think Republicans no. there are some where they're more than happy to just sit down, chat to you about what they believe in. Um, oh, there's a lot of Republicans that I like, and there's yeah. plenty of of liberals and Democrats that I don't. I had one come knock on my door, and I talked to him, and I I asked him, I just asked him what the the uh, Fifth Amendment said, and he goes, "Well, if I wanted to be a constitu-, he goes, I wanted to be a constitutional lawyer, but there's not as much money in that, so I went with something else. So I was like, so you went after the money instead of after what you want to go after." He's like, well, no, I mean, not, well, not exactly. I was like, yeah. that's what you just said. <laughs> like, I asked you what the fifth amendment was. <laughs> it's a was. bit of an awkward thing because it's like, um, I'm trying to think how to put it. It's like, I get what they're talking about, but on the flip side, it's like, if you have two or more different passions that you are equally up for, then... 
at the end of the day, sometimes money is the deciding factor. <laughs> it is. And and that's it's the biggest sad. thing is, is there's most of the politicians we have were good people. Then they became politicians. And Ooh. that's the way that I look at politics <laughs> is, is yeah. once you get into politics, like it's really hard to stick to your guns. And there's a few that do. There's probably more than a Bernie few. Sanders I, is I still wow, yeah. But there's like, there's a lot of, who don't. Once once yeah. you get that taste of power, it kind of it corrupts. And mm. as I long mean, as we have lobbyists, the, it's going to continue to go that way. But this is not a political true. podcast. That's my personal opinions, and I I stand yep. behind them. <laughs> that is, <laughs> and I'm not going to pull I the mean, bullshit of my opinions are my own. I mean, on one a, of the I'm on really, giving a story a podcast. I'm saying shit. It's you know. Yep. If you disagree with it, come after Gaming Historia for it. I'm not going to hide yeah, behind yeah, that yeah. bullshit. Um, yeah. I mean, one I think of the that really if you represent great a company, it, sorry. You, I, I've always felt that if you represent anything, you you can't just be like, oh, you know, I hate this, but my opinions are my own, so this doesn't fall back on my company. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> you represent. I mean, if that I've company. said anything wrong. Feel free to tell me I've said something wrong, and I probably have said something wrong. You know, I'd be surprised if I've been I'd be totally if you 100% hadn't. on the ball. <laughs> yeah. So, so okay. I mean, uh, we've gone down <laughs> just a 40 minute path of nothing about gaming except for mentioning that George Washington was six foot four and Napoleon was five foot seven. Yeah, yeah. And the council oh, that got it was wrong. what I was going to say. Okay, one last thing. <laughs> okay. I drop the council. <laughs> You know, this is not political. This is just the council. Okay. When I was looking at the figures that they brought in for the council, I generally don't recognize any of this. I really don't. Like, I think it might be that me, it might be more reflective of the type of eras I find more interesting or the type of events I find more interesting. But things like, say, Gregory Home. I don't know if that's an actual figure or... Yeah, I'm not sure um, on a few of them. And some of them are very minor figures if they were... Like Giuseppe Piaggi, who's just a cardinal. Like, he was the cardinal for Pope Pius VI, but who knows anything about that guy? Like, And Emily Hillsborough, if she was a real English duchess, I haven't been able to find anything on her. I've been trying to... And I can't find anything on it at all. I mean, um, if if they're not actual figures, then I'd be a lot more curious, I admit. Um, yeah, and, and that's fine. Like, take historical time period characters and base them off of it somewhat. But whenever you take George Washington and make him look like uh, uh, Adams, I was about to say Samuel Adams, or um, or Chappelle put it Sam Jackson, um, then... I mean, at least get the character right. At least make him look right. So, but I'll get into that on In Search of the Story Wednesday. Um, yeah. So, yeah, be, I mean, be sure to tune into that. But I would say that it's weird if they okay. So, if people like Gregory Holm, which seems to not exist, and Emily Hillsborough may not exist, I can't find her. Then I'd be very curious about why they cherry picked the people they did. Well, I think because when. When you have a murder mystery and then you decide that some of them are going to be fake and then some of them are going to be 
major historical figures like George Washington, it raises a lot of questions of why did you do this? Right. And and I'm going to say right now, wait to play the game until the full story is out. Because it's, I think, five episodes or four episodes or something. Yeah, five, just, I think. Yeah, just Probably wait for five. the whole thing. Because I bet they introduce more historical, historical figures as it goes. But I, I don't know why you would have... Like Jacques Peru, I don't know if that guy. I have to do the research to find out if Jacques Peru was actually part of the French Tribunal. I mean, I know what the French Tribunal was for, but I don't remember a guy named Jacques Peru at that time. So I'll have to look it up and see if I just don't know. It does have that whiff of feeling like a. Um, if you were trying to think of a really uh, French name it has that whiff of that it's like if you made a name called um john smith right it's a very john smith name where it's like it's very very I mean, like, stereotypical guy but if it you want to do something be, french from that time period take one of george washington's best friends gilbert lafayette who fought in the Revolutionary War and was best friends with George Washington. If you want to have a French guy from that time period, it's really easy to get a lot of information about Lafayette. Well, the same with the UK. Like, there are a lot of major figures in the right. general time era. So I don't know so, why I mean, they fell back on using Napoleon and Washington. Yeah, it's, and then they used a lot of no names. Like, especially if you've got murder mystery, it's hardly going to be... Washington or Napoleon get knocked off or committing crimes because it wouldn't make sense. I mean, and, and that's the thing. Like, I don't know. We'll get into it more on In Search of the Story. Um, <laughs> going way off topic. Because now Olivia's going to be pissed if I get too much of, <laughs> of the council stuff out of my system right now <laughs> before we actually re- record In Search of the Story, which is going to be about the council. So we were going to talk a little bit about Rezzed. <laughs> How long did these podcasts go on for? Um, I think our longest has been two hours. <laughs> okay, so not too bad. But generally, this one's like an hour, hour and hour and twenty or so. Kind of depends. And uh, <laughs> but but hey, this is the good thing. Now you can quickly run through just a few things you like from Res. Explain first what EGX Res is because. I've heard of it, but I don't know. I don't know how it compares to other shows. All right. So, do you know uh, PAX? It's like that. Okay. Well, no, <laughs> it's not. Okay. So, EGX Rest is like the younger sibling of EGX, which is the Eurogamer Expo. Um, they invite um, indie games and some AAA and AA titles to kind of show at these events and one of the major pulls of these events is you get to talk to actual developers about their game you know, they'll often be there um, I was talking to a German woman when I was uh, at the event and she said she literally just travelled from Germany to UK for this event because so okay, it's so the only me, one she knows that you actually talk to developers. So so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do a sh- shitty setup question. I'm going to instead <laughs> because I don't mind you 
I mean, there, there's some questions that I could ask that's not really fair. So instead, I'm going to ask, of the games that you saw, mm-hmm. what are you most excited to get your hands on for for a longer period of time? Mm. I mean, this is a bit of a weird question because the, the knee-jerk one isn't a game I played but was at EGX Res, and it's... Uh, Disco Illusion used to be No Truce with the Furies and I did an interview with the developers once upon a time, well, last year for another website and (laughs) it's what I love about Disco Illusion is I have a very dark morbid view on things you know, and I do veer towards games that have that mentality to them and uh, I fear towards that but I also do occasionally hit this point where I'm just like kind of bored you know I've seen all the tricks and Disco Elysium also um, rather than going dark I mean it's a dark game but it doesn't just go full out dark but it also embraces another thing that I love to see in games which is absurdism I love the absurd. I love the when um how do I put this? I love it when things are messy psychologically and that kind of thing. You know, I love spec ups align because it well, one of the many reasons oh, yeah. is because it delves into psychology, it delves into um, PTSD and things like that and that's, Disco Elysium awesome dabbles with the idea of having these uh, sp- like different parts of your psychology uh, if you know Greek mythology Furies um, right. competing for your attention um, and it's like what happens is, is you basically have this n- nutcase of a detective and he's almost fighting with himself and try not to make himself look like a dick, but he is going to look like a dick. And it's kind of very aware of how awful the main character is, but not in that bleak, oh, I'm so sorry kind of way and more in that kind of like grinning madness. And along with the art... The writing is spectacular as well. So I'm really excited to just delve into it because it's not just really high quality. It is my thing. You know, it it connects with me really well. And I could see it going in a lot of interesting directions. Um, if is this a PC game? Hmm? Or? Yeah. Yep, is, okay. I think it's is, purely is it PC. Anything else, or is it just PC? I think it's just PC. I don't think it's anything else. I mean, it's a typical RPG, so I'd be surprised to have anything else. RPG okay. titles tend to veer away from console. Okay, so um, what other what other stuff yeah. hit you while you're there? That's that's not not on the radar. Of most people that probably should. Be. Yeah. Um. Another one. Sorry, I got my notes. Another one that I got to try for the first time, which I'm going to be really excited when that beta hits. So I'm not going to be writing about it 
quite yet. I'm going to wait until the beta is released, play with it, and write about it for Gaming Historia. Is Phoenix Point, which is basically what happens when you get the XCOM uh, designer back and you say, hey, yeah, you like XCOM, yeah? Why do you make a new IP? Just go wild, shoot for the hills, you know, go for it. And he does. And it is very familiar to XCOM. You know, if if you've got XCOM on the brain, you can clearly see how it is similar, but it isn't XCOM at the same time. It is more darker, it is more brutal, it is bleaker. This isn't, even if you uh, played XCOM 2, it isn't, which is when the aliens win and you have to do a resistance, it is still light-hearted compared to Phoenix Point, which is the aliens win, and it's not just they took over and created a dictatorship. It's that they've transformed the landscape into something completely unfamiliar and, well, alien (laughs) and corrupted things. And you do see um, bits here and there which are familiar to human biology, but corrupted so like for instance uh there was this uh woman seemingly transformed into this giant crab thing um that was chasing the party like i've which consisted of four people um and she tore things apart and you could tell there was no more human psychology left in her, but you could still see a humanoid shape fairish. So they're basically um, like taking the humans and, and their shell for something new? Some of them, yeah, some of them. But other beings look <clears throat> like they're just straight aliens. Gotcha. And it's... But on the flip side, it's like, this also isn't XCOM. Because, for instance, there are bleed effects, there is wounding effects. If you, if your characters get their legs blown, then they're going to be slower. In fact, there was one target about this giant, um, this giant enemy crab, um, who sadly doesn't have a weak point that you could hit for massive damage. If you blew her legs off, she slows down. She slows way the hell down. And that is a tactic that you really should use when against these larger creatures to just slow them down or tag them in other places where you limit their weapon capability. If you, there was one carrot, uh, common enemy where if I shot their arm off, like their grenade arm, they won't use their grenades anymore. And that's fine, you know, oh. brilliant. Um, it also applies to your characters. If your characters' heads um, become like blown off or whatever, or blinded, they're gonna aim less. It's they're gonna, and then there's bleed effects as well. And you know, it's a lot more technical and in depth. And then there's a free aim view, so you can decide that you're gonna go shoot those barrels near them or whatnot. Um, 
I think they do need to work on their free aim. Like I mentioned it at the booth that I think what would have been better is if you could free aim around the person so it's still locked on the enemy. Um, and then have a separate button where you just free aim wherever you want. Because it oh, really, gotcha. yeah. at the booth, I accidentally kept shooting at the floor once or twice because I'd just aim at someone and then accidentally free aim way off without realizing it. <laughs> like, I thought it was just the camera going nuts. So, oh, yeah. Okay. I see. Um, it's. And then another in part that I did advise is that rather than having chips, so it's not like you run this far. And that's one chip. It's on a entire energy bar, so there's a lot more room for saying, "Okay, I'll move this much, and then I have enough energy to do this and this." Um, the only, I mean, I that was another thing I mentioned at the booth. Like too many times, I would move so much, and then realize I didn't have enough energy to do something else. So. Rather than being made more aware of how much energy I was going to be using for each uh, item. Which was kind of a bit frustrating because it just meant, as I said, I couldn't properly plan. It, um, but that looks really good. Um, another game. And yeah, I think it, yeah, this is the third game that I'm really excited for. Like really ecstatic um is one called the sinking city i didn't hey, even know I, they were... I read you talking about this hmm. i didn't even know they were going to show Aegis rest had no idea i thought they were all way earlier in development um and the sinkings and the thing is is sinking city is like a combination of two things i adore on one hand they've got Lovecraft I love Lovecraft I know there are a lot of problems with Lovecraft like literacy wise there are problems um, sometimes he uses what's called the Chinaman trope which is um, this idea of the mystic outsider and uh. yeah like I mean Lovecraft was a product of his time. He was a little racist. He was a bit homophobic, you know. He was a product of his time. But right. on the other hand, one thing I adore about Lovecraft is he deconstructed this view that if there is a god, there's nothing to say that this god is logical. Uh, benevolent or even acknowledges humanity you know one of the interesting like because people get very fixated on Cthulhu and they ignore gods like say Azathoth which is the equivalent of a manic child god who babbles incoherently and has no intelligible mentality to them and it's this god so huge that it could just accidentally 
uh, wave its tentacles around and accidentally clip Earth and kill all of humanity, just accidentally. Okay. Um, and then you get other gods like Nalafhotep, and it's kind of really cool. But I like that deconstruction of if there is a god, there's nothing to say. It isn't just a complete alien figurine, and it there's nothing to say that, you know. But it combines that with uh, a game that I think flies under the radar way too often called Sherlock Holmes Crimes and Punishment. Right. And what was really cool about that game was it was an investigative game, but it also demanded the player to work it out yourself what happened. Like, um, they had like this mind palace um, system going on where you would get these clues and you could combine clues together. Um, and it wasn't as though you could combine clues together wrong. You know, it was very constructive in that sense where there was only one way to combine clues. But when you did, these two clues would either turn into a new clue or they would turn into a branch. And sometimes these branches gave you a question of what you think happened. Um, an example I used with someone recently and this isn't in Crimes of Punishment or The Sinking City, is like, say if there was a murder of a butcher, and you turned up to the butcher's shop, and there's a bloody handprint on the wall. And you might have one clue that says bloody handprint on the wall, and another clue that says, um, job title of the murder victim was butcher. And you'd combine the two together, and they would come fought together, and then they would ask you if the blood was the butcher's, or if the blood was from a body he was uh, carving up. And depending on that conclusion would tell you where the individual was attacked. So like, oh, interesting. And then from making these choices, you would get different endings because you would conclude things went down in a particular way. Um... And only one of these endings were correct. You could get this wrong. You really could. Um, I definitely did. But I feel that I was fine. But you'd get... Uh, you would try to work it out yourself what actually happened. And then they would oh, present you a one last choice of... Do you take the murderer's side and believe that they meant well, or things like that? Or do you just say, yeah, screw it. Lock, throw him in prison, lock away, throw away the key. And it was like really cool that they demanded you to work things out yourself. And the sinking city is like a combination of the two because it's done by the same developers as Sherlock Holmes, Crimes and Punishment. Oh, awesome. Uh, Frogways, I believe they're called. And... Um, and yeah, when I tried it out, it is, you can see that they're going this direction, you know, um, the word, the case that I did called bad decisions or bad decision, uh, which is meant to be a side quest. It was, it 
asked me to solve it myself, and I did get it wrong the first time, but that was because there were certain clues I didn't pick up on until I played it a second time. Um, basically, the woman approaches you and says, can you go find my husband? He's gone missing. He's a fisherman. I don't know what happened to him. And so she tells you his address. Now, you could get it wrong and just analyze cuts, uh, analyze the crime scene. Sorry, my mouth's really dry. <laughs> analyze the crime scene, um, decide that uh, maybe get a clue from Vic, who is the um, barman downstairs or find around the scene that maybe you should go to the fish market and ask there find out that he's in the basement you go down to the basement and then you find out that it was all a scheme uh, to get you trapped and sacrificed on an altar or you could investigate the scene more thoroughly find that there's a newspaper clipping that shows that the guy was pretty like for the people of the Innsmouth um, the Innsmouth taint which is like if you're familiar with Lovecraft um, it was basically one of the classic stories of Lovecraft is there was a town called Innsmouth and there was uh, this big elder one called Cthulhu and Cthulhu was calling out to the residents of Innsmouth to join him and as he was doing so, the residence of Innsmouth was becoming more uh, f like fish-like and eventually turning into what's called deep ones. And in this so, setting, it's a fictional... Sorry. So so this is, this is like a... Like Sherlock Holmes and that it's a mystery that you're mm. trying to figure out. Just a whole different setting with different characters. Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is... You're still a detective. You're not Sherlock Holmes, but you're still a detective. But this is set in a fictional city um, near Innsmouth. So you do see a lot of people with the Innsmouth taint. And the place is flooded. But you're not... But there's not the Innsmouth... But it's not Innsmouth. Um... But if you do find the newspaper clipping, you can go to the newspaper and find out that the guy was very, very, like, on good terms with the Deep Ones and people, like, Innsmouthers. Or you could go to... Um, another thing you can do is you can go to the library and find out what the symbol was that was drawn on the wall. With this information, you can then, when you get told by the person at the fish market that the target you're looking for is run downstairs, and you know he's he's got a bad reputation with Innsmouthers because he's um, he's been bad mouthing them. You can then turn to him and say, "No, I found so much evidence that says that he is on good terms with Innsmouthers. Really speaking out for them, you know." And you do get, your character does get a lot more wary about it. 
And with that, when you do go into the final cutscene, your character doesn't get ambushed. I mean, he does, but he already has his gun ready, and when the people sneak behind him, he turns and gets ready to shoot him in the face. Um, so you do have that divide, but it's still very distinctly Lovecraftian in the sense that you there is still a sanity meter when... The first time I played, when my character saw a corpse, my character Santi dropped to the bottom and he started hallucinating spiders crawling around. And this is when the hmm. um, action mechanics come in, as you do have to shoot them off. You know, it, you know, you start shooting invisible spiders with your shotgun and it's great. You know, it's reminds me of. Um, how Hollywood is often depicted as a lot of people shooting invisible spiders. <laughs> does so okay, whenever you're shooting the invisible spiders though, is he Yeah. Does that have real world effects or is he just imagining that he's shooting them? It does have real world effects in a sense of if they attack you, you lose health. But it's but it doesn't have real world effects in the sense of I don't think anyone else see the spiders. As I well, said, it's I mean, like, if he's shooting like an imaginary spider, and yeah. a dude just happens to be walking across the street where that imaginary spider is, does that dude get shot? Good question. I mean, this entire this happened inside the house. Like it okay. was in a closed environment with no NPCs in sight. Um, I did actually try shooting one of the NPCs for fun and he didn't die so oh. they just get scared we need more games where you can kill quest givers just completely ruin the game from the start by killing off like the main <laughs> character of the game that you have to have to continue the story and then you just lost like what the fuck am I supposed to do now <laughs> <laughs> see I can see Disco Elysium doing that yeah, this is, it's this that is type why of we're game. not designing games because <laughs> all of our games would we'd be like we only need three minutes of it because they're going to kill the quest giver right at the beginning and they're not going to need to do anything else. We, See, <laughs> I think that's fine. I I honestly I think that's fine. I <laughs> I, I, I think as long as there's enough hints there that maybe you shouldn't just go around killing quest givers, that's fine if you just want to go shoot them in the face. Yeah, I think you should be allowed to. And and if you made that choice, then so be it. Yeah. So, but all right. The Sinking so City are... also has this mind powers thing, and it also has a skill system that's been hinted at, but they're still designing it, and they're not sure where they're going with it. Although I did suggest the idea that maybe they could use the skill tree system to invoke a difficulty system, like having one skill that is immensely overpowered, but just there for newer players who aren't working things out. Like, for me, I didn't know whether to go to the newspaper office the first time. But if I had something like like a detective's intuition skill telling me, why don't you check the newspaper office? That would have aided me towards the better ending. But I think that works as a nice difficulty system in the same way that Borderlands 2 has particular classes which right. are more powerful than other classes. Like, I think Gage, I think her name is, is specifically designed with new players in mind. She yeah. she is a lot easier to play as. She's overpowered. And it is just designed for newer players. And I think that 
the sinking city could work with that. So we'll see. <laughs> okay, so 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 let, let's let's put the victory is sinking city. Um, then what well, what was the what was the name of the first one? The uh, uh, disco Elysium. Okay, disco Elysium, and then um, Phoenix Point. You have a great one. What's memory. it called? Nick's Point? Phoenix Point. Okay. So Sorry, those, I don't so know if it's because I've got like cotton mouth. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so so it's those one are thing the, I hate about coffee. So those are the three to keep on the radar. And we'll we'll cover them on Gaming Astoria. So make sure you keep an eye on Gaming Astoria. You'll see stuff from Rio. You'll start seeing stuff from me fairly soon. Um most of my most of what you see from me is that there's a website there and that I'm podcasting a lot. Um, but on Friday, we're getting the Labo, not not the site. I'm actually buying them. Um, so we'll have them before the actual press kits go out. But I'm getting both of the Labo kits, so you'll get a review from me and Chloe about those and, and from everything i've seen so far that's going to be awesome coverage we'll probably talk about that in a week or two on a podcast about how that stacks up against vr and ar and all that stuff um and then there's <laughs> i actually recorded two episodes of gaming historia today one was with chloe for those of you who have not listened to chloe and chris it's a train wreck but it's a beautiful one. It's it's like a it's like a slow motion rainbow exploding into like just chaos, and it's incredibly fun. But I wanted to try to get something up that was a little bit more in line with our normal gaming historia stuff. So that's why we have this recording as a second one tonight, um, which is also why we're raw dogging this one because it's not as late for me as it is for Rio, but it's late, um, and I'm gonna have this up as soon as I can for everybody to listen to it. it'll be up by 8 a.m um but nice. Thursday you'll get I'm gonna put out on this feed on the gaming historia feed the gaming historia special where Chloe actually breaks down a little bit of where gaming is going in her own way you really have to dig in to get what she's saying <laughs> but of where handheld gaming or, or where gaming is going as far as how much more uh, how much easier it is to transport. So we talked a little bit about Switch 3DS and uh, tablets and phones and stuff like that. And so she gives her ideas and her, you know, in her way of how that's all playing out. So uh, Thursday, listen for that one because you'll get a little bit of that chaos. But I felt that that was a little bit too chaotic for a Monday morning because um, <laughs> it's at the end of it. I was just like, oh, I'm tired. Go away. This is too much. Um, she was singing like the yeah. This has showman. been a lighter one. Yeah, it's it was bizarre. Like at the end of if you haven't <laughs> if you don't listen to Chloe and Chris, it's worth listening to. I'm telling you, it's an okay. ear hug. Even even if you are the darkest, most cynical person in the world, if you just listen to Chloe go on her little goofy rants, it's a little ear hug and it'll make <laughs> you laugh. And at the end of the episode that's going up Thursday. I try to give you all the information you need about where to find us and stuff while she's serenading mm -hmm. us with songs from the greatest showman. Um, 
It's just trying to do it louder than me. So it's basically a screaming match into the mic. Um, <laughs> and she loves this podcasting thing. So it's a lot of fun. But I wanted to have something that actually hit games with Rio just getting back from Rezzed. I thought we would talk mainly games here, but Rio and I haven't done a podcast yet. And we've talked about podcasting. <laughs> so We've talked more about politics than games. So fuck it. We talked history and politics and then mentioned Rezzed and then closed out the show. So... You know, hey, maybe maybe we have a uh, a well. WTF is already taken by Mark Maron, so we can't do a, a gaming story at WTF. But we may find a place where Rio and I can get on here and just wax poetic about whatever is hitting us at that time <laughs> period, because we're both a little bit too curious for our own good. I think. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're curious enough to to become dangerous in our knowledge, but not curious enough to be experts. Um, yeah, yeah. If you've ever seen Call of like played the pen and paper RPG Call of Cthulhu, it's like that, where just delve into things a little too much and lose sanity in the process. Right, <laughs> and we that was actually the argument that I mentioned earlier or discussion because uh, it was a discussion. It was not an argument. We discussed. It's we're, never an argument. No, we, we, we were trying to figure out, we're thinking about doing, and maybe you guys can give us feedback at contact at gaminghistoria.com or at gaming underscore historia on Twitter. What do you guys think? Because we're thinking about doing, um, this is kind of Rio's baby, but we're looking <laughs> at a, something that's, that's a pen and paper podcast. And yeah. I strongly support the hero system. Because it's it's a under uh, underrepresented system that that creates a lot of flexibility and freedom. That's kind of cool. Rio, being the rule follower and the square that he is, likes Pathfinder more. So, uh, <laughs> so we actually discuss the differences in him quite a bit, and we're trying to figure out what we're gonna do. Yeah, it's down to if you prefer a structured or unstructured approach towards RPGs. And I did hit this point. I think it was probably because running on three hours sleep and just doing it on my phone madly while on the way to EGX. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. If you're playing the hero system, there is no reason not to just decide, okay, just roll 1d6, DM looks at it, and then just decides, oh, it happens or not, rather than following any other rules. You know, it's so unstructured, you may as well just flip a coin. But that's the thing. Robin. Hero does have structured rules that you follow. No, no. Compare when I'm saying unstructured, I'm meaning it on a comparison scale. Oh well, I mean, yes. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, they're very different beasts. They're very different. Yeah. I mean, it's. You know, it's very rules light. Um, yeah, it's while Pathfinder it, is rules heavy. I mean, it's nothing fucking compared to. Uh, it's not Warhammer or, or, or Shadowrun. Shadowrun, I think, is you need a PhD to do that. Yeah, yeah Shadowrun. Well, you really have to. Um, I think Deadlands was unintuitive. I don't think it was necessarily difficult. It just didn't make. It, it was. It see, I'm more used click. to Deadlands Reloaded, where. Uh, see, I haven't looked suffering. at Deadlands Reloaded. I only looked at the original. De- or I only. It's. I own the original Deadlands and. Yeah, I'd say Deadlands Reload is worth looking at if you're still into Deadlands, because I think that they tried to make it a bit more accessible, but 
it still suffers from being a colossal meat grinder, and I think that to me, I like to strike the balance between Pathfinder and D&D's. Your character will go from 1 to 20, no problem. And Call of Cthulhu and Deadlands, we're going to put your character through a meat grinder. And who knows, your character will probably die this session. I think, for me, I'd like that tipping point. I like the, okay, I like the danger of my character dying. Yeah, yeah, the danger's cool, but I think that... Reloaded had this problem where as you're losing health, you get more penalties, which means that once you start losing, it starts to snowball very noticeably. Um, and you do yeah, start we'll losing still play faster. with it. If, if you guys yeah. in the audience want to hear one in particular, if we get like a upswelling, which an upswelling of, of feedback would be like one or two of you. So (laughs) that's how much feedback we're getting from people right now. We know people are visiting our site and listening to our podcast. We see the numbers. We just, maybe I haven't explained that contact at gmail.com is actually just an email address that you like an electronic letter that you can send to us. Maybe that's what I, maybe I skipped that part. Like you go into your phone. We should, we should set up a text. Make like a contact form. Yeah, well, we have a contact form. If you go under team, I think that you can contact yeah. us there. Maybe I should put it just as the front page as a contact form. Or you can just, just so ping we can a message like across. Out there. <laughs> yeah, or you can ping a message across Twitter if you're bored. You know. Yeah, just just. I mean, I mean, maybe I should just get a second phone with another number and just say text me because I know all the kids are doing that these days. So <laughs> I'll get a text. Um, yeah, <laughs> but. I don't know. I'm sure that I'm really helping my case by by throwing what is it, shade. I'm trying to trying to stay cool. I'm throwing shade oh on God. our listeners. <laughs> so I just remembered something to do with EJX res. It's like because there were a lot of I mean dragging about to EGX rest and insomnia and I I keep wanting to write a full blown article about this. Um, about a year ago, I wrote about insomnia. Uh, not the condition, the event <laughs> in yeah, Birmingham. I was about to say, okay, this and, is this is a weird thing to write about on gaming, but, you know. Yeah, like, you know, these things happen. You know, maybe Alex can cover insomnia, the condition. But, right. Um, insomnia, the event, um, I covered it for uh, another website. And... I walked away very dejected and miserable. Um, It was almost like, I think one of the things I said there was it was like staring into the grave of my own industry. Because you could see that uh, there was a greater admiration and love for streamers. And it was almost like a celebration of streamers rather than of games. And... There are a lot of great streamers, you know. I met uh, Domanda, I believe his name is. No, I don't, um, I don't watch streams. Yeah, Domanda. Um, I met him at Insomnia. He's a great guy to chat to. You know, wonderful. Um, feel free to check him out. <laughs> but um, I met him at Insomnia, but. 
it it was still like a celebration of streamers and there were like things like selfie booths which I still got a photo of the selfie booth and I'm still like <laughs> to me I feel really old looking at that um <laughs> and I just felt dejected while right. Egypt's rest while it still has that inkling of oh god I think like is games journalism going somewhere is it falling apart blah 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 it still f- felt I- like a it felt more of a celebration of games rather than games personality you know Right. On a personal level, I but I, I think we're getting it. to the point to where game journalism is a a mix of personalities and actual. You know, I I brought them up multiple times to the team and stuff. The Walter Cronkite style of journalism back there, where it's, let's just get facts. But there's also a lot of room for personality. That's why the website has a very different flavor than our podcasts. Our podcasts are crass and ridiculous and the website why we have we're not hitting everything we want to yet mainly because of you know we're just over a month old we're we're kind of getting our groove Mm. down making sure that we have content up every day for you to see but as we're starting to hit more and more things we're starting to explore kind of what we want to hit but it it gets more into let's talk about actual things that are happening the podcast Mm. I was telling Rio before this, he was asking me what he needs to prepare for. And I was like, nothing <laughs> before we get on gaming Historia, we have a basic idea of what we want to do. And, and if you guys listen to the digital, I think it was the pre-order DLC one. Um, we didn't prepare for that. We didn't want to look up all the different things out there until we were on the podcast because we knew we'd be able to react in real time to what we actually thought about it. Cause we've been in this industry for so long. So I think, I think journalism yeah. is a mix of journalists and personalities and you get an overlap of some, like we have some people on our site that are personalities once you get to know them, but they're not people that you throw on a podcast or throw on YouTube day one and say, have at it. Cause they're just, they're more of a writer. They like to get deep into the weeds. Then you have other people who are right, but they, they want to talk. And so that's kind of where journalism is going. It's kind of a team sport of of these voices, these faces, and stuff like that. But I, I don't think it's just a YouTube channel or just Twitch or just a podcast or just articles. I think it's I think it's a gathering of a whole bunch of people that cover things from different angles. Because yeah, I mean you know, that's all me, it's going to be is yeah, we're going to do a podcast about Labo. We're going to do an article about Labo, and those are going to be very different things. I mean, yeah, I mean, for me, in terms of if we're talking about journalism inspirations, one that I do occasionally jump back to, um, especially if I'm covering events, and I'm tempted to do like a proper article about EGX Res as an experience um, from this viewpoint, and it's uh, Hunter S. Thompson. You yeah. Know, I think that. His ability to weave subjectivity into reality and um, represent things as perceived rather than as are is really good. And it reflects into um, what um, it it, uh, it really plays into a uh, theory that 
you know, I really connected with when I learned about it, when I did my degree in sociology, uh, which is Descartes. You know, he's known as, um, for the theory of I see, therefore I am. But where that comes back to, what he's more famous for is this, uh, the theory of what is reality, you know, is because reality is, is how we perceive it, how we think about it. And as you crunch through psychology, you realize that perception is inherently flawed and it's inherently, um, affected by what's called schemas, which are your history, your experiences, your ideologies, things like that. It's all affected by that. Like, for instance, you walk down a street, um, and there's a guy on the other side of the road. Now, one person might remember as I walked down the street and there was a black man over the side of the road. Another person might say I was walking down the street and there was a teenager on the other side of the road. Third person might say walking down the street. There was a, um, what looked to be a gang member on the other side of the road, you know, or there was a businessman on the other side of the road, depending on their clothing. You know. right. And, you know, it's across the board, like, and they're right and they're wrong. And where things get a lot more blurry is when you start talking about things like, is the perceptions of someone who say colorblind inferior to those who are completely fine? Do they see a world that's different? Um, if our real, if our perceptions are inherently flawed, how do we um, acknowledge reality? And in a weird way, we can't. The closest we can get is a shared reality. You know, we can share the view that gravity goes down towards the planet and um, yeah, but it's where like when people who wax philosophy in their armchairs after, I don't know, getting drunk or whatever, and they start talking about, what if this is all like the matrix, man? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're right. It could be because that's the problem with subjectivity and how we see the world through our perceptions. We, our reality is only through perception and those perceptions might all be flawed. You know, they might, be saying intrinsic to human biology that makes us see the world as it isn't. And I love the hell that Hunter uh, Thompson reflects that, you know, he blends reality with the fact that he's taken a buttload of drugs and is seeping in hallucinations, but he's also able to occasionally weave really deep philosophical questions. Um, Fear and Loathing Las Vegas, you know, it's an amazing book. It's like a trip. Right. Especially as sometimes he'll talk about, uh, at one point he talks about the, uh, because he's writing this in the 70s, he talks about the effect of the 60s and where it is now as how he sees it as the wave is rolling back. You know, you can almost see where the culture of the 60s and the rebellious spirit and this idea that we are fighting the good fight rolled back. And it's kind of mesmerizing. And 
you know, I sometimes draw well, from those ideals because sometimes I think that it's a lot more important to come to explain how I see the world than to try to have a stab at saying, this is how things are and this is how things is and deal with it. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the other thing that I really like about Thompson is he was awesome in Edward Scissorhands. So he was really good in that. What? Because <laughs> in Fear and Loathing, Johnny Depp played him. It was a it was oh. a movie reference. <laughs> See, the weird thing is, is Johnny Depp wasn't played Hunter Thompson in Fear and Loathing, but he also played the protagonist in the Rum Diaries, which is written by Hunter Thompson, and it is very loosely like it's not factual. I don't. I think it's semi-factual but not in the same way of fear and loathing where it was a natural trip that happened, but weaved with hallucinations. The Rum Diaries, I think, was more like loosely based on Hunter. And it's interesting that basically you have Johnny Depp basically playing Hunter again. Right. And I don't know if that was a conscious choice. I think it probably is a conscious choice, but I would imagine so. it'd be interesting if it was accidental. I mean, Run Diaries isn't as good as Fear and Loathing, but it's a good enough time. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's it's getting late, and we've been running long. So let's let's wrap this up. We have <laughs> we have a conversation to have. We said a lot about, about journalism as a whole. That is another whole podcast that I'm I'm keeping my mouth shut on it because I could go nuts about it, but. Yeah. I do not want this to be a four-hour-long podcast because these are the conversations That's, that I think we need to have. Um, no, screw it. I got NG drink in my bag. Let's do this four hours. Woo! No, that, I gotta. <laughs> I have more gardening to do because I'm that domestic at this point. Um, gardening? So, like, what time is it there? <laughs> it's almost midnight, and by the time this is done, it's going to be like one thirty or oh, 2 a.m. Like... Yeah, apparently one time my older brother got really drunk and the neighbors um, had to contact my dad because the lawnmower was going off at about 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and there's my older brother mowing the lawn at oh, 5 a.m. I'm not doing gardening tonight. I'm doing gardening in the morning. I just have to have energy to do it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm not a night gardener. We did that all day today and telling you man i'm getting too old for this kind of shit so um but it looks nice we have a pretty garden so i guess that's something no um, that's good I, who would have thought that would have ended up on this podcast too i'm so happy my pretty garden um <laughs> so who don't knows know why i'm reminded of nightcrawler right? now so okay so let me throw it yeah, all out sorry <laughs> so Patreon.com slash gaming historia is where you can give us money. Um, again, we will not hide any of our content behind subscriptions. I don't believe in that. I think that's fuck it. I think that's shitty to do. Um, mm -hmm. I can understand why people do it. I don't fault them for doing it, but in my opinion, it's not the right. It, that's not how you treat your viewers. Yeah, I mean. For me, I think it depends how you define content. It's like, is a blog post about personal life content? Right. It's it, not 
anything that's that's news related, game related, anything like that, you, we're never going to hide anything that's under the Gaming Historia banner. Um, mm. If I want to put up pictures of myself swimming in a speedo, I may put that behind like a, a two hundred dollar wall <laughs> or something. Um, but see, it's weird because your picture on Discord is with you bold. And your picture on Twitter is you with like with this hair. messy mop of hair. So I don't know. <laughs> I was which I was type. very drunk in that picture, and I was petting a frog. And I just I keep on forgetting to change it. Um, <laughs> it was a fake frog. It was a statue frog. Oh, okay. You know that's something to get excited for. No, so it's just a, it's just a <laughs> it's one of those weird pictures I put up on Twitter a long time ago because I had it, and then after I shaved my head, yeah. I just never updated it. Um, I mean, I think my Facebook uh, icon is still of um, my albino ferret that I used to have. Who is it? An albino ferret called Tard that I used to have. Oh, my Facebook like is my dad. Just sleeping on his back. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, not, whenever I get into like games on my phone, they think I'm probably some old dude. Cause, like, really, really old guy. Because... Well, I guess not. Cause, I mean, it looks like I'm a guy who's still stuck in the 80s because it's a picture from the 80s of my dad and granddad oh, wow. sitting at a table <laughs> while, we were, while we were hanging out in the backyard swimming. And that's my Facebook picture. So whenever it comes up in like a game online, there's a picture of these two guys smoking a pipe and cigarette <laughs> in the 80s like where. So I don't know what Jesus people think when they see it. But it's one yeah, of my yeah. favorite pictures because I mean, it's, you know. I mean, with the name, my name as well, Kaelin. It's like, I don't think they could even check, tell my gender at that point, you know, if I'm no. the type to obsess over ferrets. But, I mean, Todd's been dead for about a year or two, so no. <laughs> that picture's way old. <laughs> do you have a cat that's yelling, um, or do I have a cat that's yelling? A what? I have a, a cat, cat that was... Yeah, You don't have a cat right now? No, we don't have a cat. Because I, I keep on hearing a cat yelling, so it's my cat outside of the door, <laughs> screaming. And he's, I mean, I don't know which one it's it is. Because I'm talking about long cats. Oh man, I don't know what's going on. Your it's cat's like, getting jealous about long cats. <laughs> All right. So, so Patreon, we're never going to lock anything away unless it's like a speedo picture of me. Unless I'm wearing speedos that say "Gaming Story" on it, then it'll be free. Um, so. <laughs> <laughs> so nothing's going to be locked yeah, we away. Need a mas- we don't have to We need a mascot for the website. Get- well, yeah, my my <laughs> my speedo crotch with gaming story across it. Um, yeah, 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 that'll be our symbol from now on. We'll just get like a small picture of you wearing speedos. Uh, why does it, it have to be trend. small? <laughs> Should be. Well, yeah, I mean, it can be big. I mean, I mean, it will be I'm big. thinking of t-shirt design where it's like. <laughs> Maybe covering, um, like, the entire T-shirt. Maybe, I don't know, particularly large, like, just focuses on your crotch, where it says yeah, GH. It's, I mean, it would have to be, like, a panoramic. So, um, <laughs> so GamingHistoria.com <laughs> is the website. It's up. It's going. The feedback I've gotten from people who do not have to say nice things about me or to me have said that it looks very professional and like it. So, go check it out if you haven't. Let us know what you think. If there's stuff you want us to cover, let us know because we have a much larger team than we did just a few weeks ago and they want to cover stuff. We're just trying yeah. to figure out where we need to go. Um, 
patreon.com slash gaming historia at gaming underscore historia on Twitter. Contact at gaming historia mm-hmm. through your electronic messaging service, whether that be Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, whatever. <laughs> Send us emails. Let us know what you think. We do want to hear your feedback. Once we start getting it, we're going to throw it up here. We're going to, we're going to read it out unless you don't want it to be read. Um, <laughs> so, so you should probably, if it's something well, that's like, private, just be like, Hey, don't read this over the air. Well, um, like points of view. Yeah. But <laughs> give us feedback. Did we miss some shit? Did we cover shit? Did you like the history lesson? Cause if so, then, you know, there's a reason we're called gaming historian. It's because a lot of us are big history fans that also like games. Um, Ooh. so we pulled the curtain back even more, but, um, yeah, just get in contact with us. Let us know what you think. The only thing that you are locked out of is Discord until you subscribe. And you subscribe, you get to jump on Discord with us. And you get to hear the chaos that goes on on there. Because it's very rarely work-related anymore. Because we all kind of know what we're yeah, doing yeah, right yeah. now. Just, yeah, feel free to scream It's generally Rio I'll posting probably... random shit that nobody understands. Yeah, no, yeah, like, yeah. I've got a picture of a cat and I'm trying to work out a good time to post it in general. Yeah, we're just like, ah, ha, ha, Rio, that's awesome. Oh, you. <laughs> you yeah, always think, come up with the um, best meme-worthy stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was talking about the Far Cry 5, and then suddenly, just out of the blue, I just show um, a picture of a hedgehog, but someone's colored it blue and just made it so it's being fed a ring. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it's just... Things like it's, that. that that's what you get whenever you subscribe yeah right yeah now. i mean don't worry until um chris tells me to knock it off when <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't ever talk to anybody i'm way above all of you i have no need to speak with you minions where's this layer cake right <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, it's a good film, right. by the way. So that's it. I mean, wow, that went out with a bang. <laughs> this was this was a very so. I, so I was like, Rio, we need to record because I don't think the the Chloe one is gaming related enough. <laughs> and actually, the Chloe and Chris one, which will go up Thursday, has more gaming discussions in it than this one did. But in my defense, you could have steered it back. Hey, yeah. man, this was a good podcast. This is good stuff. So, <laughs> and what I'm going to do is I'm going to get your side of it. I'm going to put them mm-hmm. both together, make sure they're lined up, match the loudness, add the music, and post it before I listen to it. So, you guys are going to get straight up raw, unedited footage. The only thing that I'm going to edit footage, uh, ear, ear footage, um, you're getting completely unedited shit at this point. So... Um, who knows? I who mean, knows how this if is I turn get out. my, yeah, I'm still working out when I get my podcast off the floor how edited I want it to be. And Chris already said that he's gonna edit the fuck out of it, probably. But by that, I don't know if he means that edited just like gaming <laughs> story or it's like more intense. So who knows? No, the podcast will be under gaming story's umbrella. We're 
<laughs> we're taking no no over. no i mean if it's going to be to the same degree as this where all you're doing is just slapping two audio files together and saying that's all done or if you're actually going to start nitpicking through saying okay too many ums cut that out etc etc et most of the oh, every podcast except for this one i do edit i do go through and do a lot of little touch-ups for um mm. getting it to to sound a little bit smoother but this one, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it hasn't been, there's not a whole lot yeah. that I'd have to change. I don't take ums out because one of two things is going to, is going to happen in time. We're going to keep on saying, um, or we're going to cut back our ums. Editing yeah. them out is just makes the most conversations sound unnatural because if you talk to somebody, start listening for it. It's going to drive you nuts. Talk to people <laughs> randomly and wait for them to do ums. Just in random conversation, and you will hear it oh. to the point to um, where you want to beat somebody. You're like, yeah, Jesus, I mean, I've that never reminds me of another. Arms. I mean, that so, reminds me of a game that I also played at EGX called "Hello, My Name Is Nobody," where they're trying to go for a more organic uh, conversation system, and it's really interesting what they're doing. You know, well, so okay, that's well, like let's, random. Let's save that one because, like I said, it's fucking late. <laughs> Yep, and we, and we've closed it out a couple of times already. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's it. I want to thank Rio for showing up tonight. I know it's late for him over there, and you know the yeah, other no side of the. I dig pod. the hell out doing podcasts. Yeah, and and we'll. I mean, with Colby's track record, we'll need you again next week. Um, oh, sweet! I hope Colby I get called back for once. Yeah, I, I hope Colby listens to it because that's a dig at him. He's his schedule has oh. been rough, but it's almost summertime, and then he'll be he'll be more free. And Poor Bieber. I may actually step out of a couple episodes and let you guys do gaming historia. I don't have to be on every episode. No, fair enough. But I know people yeah. tune in to listen to the uh, the dulcet tones of my Barry White style voice. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I'm that good of a host yet so i'll just stick with the co-host seat until i get my uh pen and paper rpg podcast off the floor yeah (laughs) and and we have even more stuff coming down the line so Mm -hmm. wherever you listen to this make sure you subscribe wednesday in search of the story is going to go up we're going to talk about the council thursday gaming historia special maybe friday but probably thursday um will be the gaming historia special where chloe talks about uh, the implications of uh, transportable consoles on the gaming industry as a whole and the future of which that will bring, <laughs> which she's eight. So <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to write that she's actually breaking down the economics of, of how all this is going to work. Ultimately she ends up telling you how many Shopkins she has and uh, singing musicals, but she does get a little bit into games and stuff. Um, and then Saturday morning, episode three of Chloe and Chris Talk Games, where I think we're either going to talk... Uh, what's the one with all the Toys of Life? Oh my god, I'm going blank. Because um, hmm? I said Shopkins, all what? I can think of is sh- stupid Shopkins. Toy Story? Uh, the, the Imaginator, Skylanders. Um, oh. we're either going to talk Skylander, Shant- Shantae, or uh, Kirby 3DS because that's what she's been playing. So, 
you'll get something Saturday morning for Chloe and Chris. And then other than that, don't forget to, uh, you know, reach out to us, hit us up on Patreon and subscribe wherever you hear this. And we appreciate you guys listening again. Thank you for showing up Rio. We will see you guys next week. Well, Thursday and then next Monday. Yeah. I'll see you when I see you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Adios. Bye.